Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. We like to begin our services with this greeting that Christians have been using for, I think, as long as there have been Christians. The Lord be with you. Thank you. We, we believe that that's true, that the Lord is with us as we gather together to worship him. And, and he's even with you who are watching us online right now. We're glad that you're joining us too. My name's uh, Rich Schmidt. I'm the pastor here, if I haven't met you yet. Uh, so as we begin, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Thank you, God. Thank you for gathering us into this time and place where we get to worship you today, sing to you and pray to you and listen for your spirit speaking through the scriptures, gather around the table of our Lord Jesus. Uh, God, it's our prayer, it's our hope, it's our expectation that as we gather together like this, that, that we'll have a chance to be honest with you and that we'll have a chance to hear from you. Uh, God, this is, this is something that we, uh, we need in our lives. We need to know that the God who made us really does love us, that you really are paying attention to our cries for help, that you really are with us in the difficult times that we go through. Um, Thank you, God. Thank you that uh, at the beginning of our weeks that we have this, this moment where we can be reminded of your presence with us. Uh, God, I pray that you would help that connection to be very real today, that we really would sense your presence, that we would, really would experience your grace, and that we would experience uh, these things in such a way that it well, that it changes us so that we go through this week aware of your presence with us, your spirit guiding us, uh, you giving us the comfort, giving us the strength, giving us the, the peace, giving us the joy, giving us the hope that we need to keep going each and every day. Thank you, God. Um, help us to be open to you today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Uh, well, if you're able, interested, let's stand and let's sing as we begin. Is it time to give your heart? 
aside the garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Well, there's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Well, are you God with us 
Such a tiny offering compared to Calvary. Nevertheless, we lay it at your feet. Join me in reading from Isaiah 25. O Lord, I will honor and praise your name, for you are my God. You do such wonderful things. You planned them long ago, and now you have accomplished them. You turn mighty cities into heaps of ruins. Cities with strong walls are turned to rubble. Beautiful palaces and distant, distant lands disappear and will never be rebuilt. Therefore, strong nations will declare your glory. Ruthless nations will fear you, but you are a tower of refuge to the poor, O Lord, a tower of refuge to the needy in distress. Please join me in praying. Father, we thank you this morning that you are a strong tower, a tower of refuge. Lord, we thank you that you are with us this morning. You're with us as that strong tower. You're with us as a place that we can run to, Lord, when we are in desperate need of you, when we are in desperate need of anything, Lord. You are a God who provides. You are a God who makes, makes a way for us, Lord, especially when we can't see a way forward. I thank you, Lord, for that fact. It's not a wish. It's not a, just a hope, Lord. It's a fact that we can trust in. Lord, you have been good to us. It may not seem like it sometimes, it may not feel like it sometimes, but Father, you truly have been good to us. Lord, some of us have walked through some hard things this week. We thank you that you were with them. You were with us. Lord, some people have had a great week. Great things have happened, and we're so very thankful. We give you all the glory for that. We thank you that you were with us through those things too. Lord, all we can really do this morning is give you the honor and the praise and the glory because you alone are God. Abounding in steadfast love. 
abounding. (laughs) Father, we thank you for that fact. We ask, Lord, that you would be with each person here. Whatever they are facing this coming week, we know, Lord, that you are already there. Whatever trial, whatever tribulation, whatever stressor, whatever hassle, Lord, that they have coming up, you already know what it is. You already know what they need. Lord, we ask that we could trust you, that we do trust you, that your spirit would help us to do so. We can't do it by ourselves. It's only through you, Father. So be with us, not just this week, but right now in this moment. As we sit in your presence, knowing that you are here, knowing that you love us, knowing that you have a word for us through Pastor Rich this morning. May our hearts hear what you have to say, not just our ears. And we ask these things and pray them in your precious holy name. Amen and amen. Amen. Well, the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. Thank you. Take a few moments, if you will, and pass the peace amongst yourselves. So just real quick, while uh, you guys are finishing your conversations, I'm going to say hi to all of you again who are joining us online. And and, uh, since you didn't get a chance to just shake hands and and chat with us, uh, drop us a comment or or something to let us know you're with us. Uh, Or if you'd like, you can go online to uh, livinghope.info slash connect, and uh, you can share something privately if you need to. If you have a question or waiting to be praying for you or thanking God with you, anything like that, anything private you want to communicate, you can do it that way. And, um, and you can give online too. The same goes for all of us here in the room, of course. Uh, if you've got some way we can be praying for you, you can do that online or you can grab one of those little green cards from the table in the back and, uh, and jot your note on that and uh, drop it in the offering box. And if you're giving, you can put an offering in there too. Uh, thank you again to all of you who, who give so faithfully uh, to, make, to make the mission of the church continue and go forward, including just providing this building. Uh, providing a space for us to worship in on Sundays. It's uh, right about 10 years. This fall, it'll be 10 years uh, since we moved into this building. And, uh, uh, and it's only because people in this church, you know, all of us uh, have given generously to buy the building, to pay the mortgage, to keep the lights on, keep the heat on. Uh, and so that we can do things like uh, offer this overnight warming center, which this should be the last winter that we're needing to do that. There should be a new shelter built uh, by this fall and uh, or by this next winter uh, that will be able to provide warming center for people. But uh, right now that doesn't exist yet. And so uh, on the back, you can see there's just that little notice that we're still doing that every night from 8 p.m. to 7 a.m. Uh, we've got this warming center that's taking place here at the church. And if you would like to help, uh, we would be happy to, to get your help. So we need volunteers, especially for the, uh, the second half of the night for the 1.30 to 7 shift, if you're an early riser and you're like, you know what, I'm up at 3 in the morning anyway, I might as well just get up a couple hours earlier and show up here and sit so that people can, and people can sleep, we have to have two volunteers present at all times to make sure things stay safe. So if you, if you want to help with that, uh, there's a link there you can go to or you can just talk to me after the service. I'll be happy to connect you. Because uh, every, every week, one of my jobs is... Uh, to text all the folks who have said they're interested and like, hey, so can you, can you serve this night? Can you serve that night? And try to fill all the open slots to make sure that we've got the volunteers that we need. So if you would like to help, we would love your help. And at the end of this month, on the other side of this month, uh, the plan is for that to run through the end of February. Now we are watching the weather. Last year we went 
two weeks into March. Uh, I am praying for good weather at the end of February so that we can, so that we can end at the end of February without uh, just pushing a bunch of our neighbors out there and saying, hey, I know it's freezing cold outside, but we can't do this anymore. Um, so I'm praying for good weather. And the other thing happening at the end of this month is uh, every February on the last Sunday of the month, we have uh, an all-church meeting. It's very brief. We're required to do like an annual uh, business meeting. So we just do a real quick like 15-minute meeting in between the services, which means we'll start at like 10.05 or 10.10 or whatever we finally get done with the first service that day. And, um, and we invite people. We talk about the, the church budget. Here's what it is. Here's what came in the last year. Here's what we're planning to spend this coming year. It gives you a chance to vote on the church board for the coming year and, um, and to elect a representative to district assembly. Anyway, church business stuff that takes place about 15 minutes. And uh, if, you are, if you've gone through Living Hope 101 and have said, yep, I want to be a member of this church, then that vote officially counts. But everyone's invited to, to share their, uh, their opinion, uh, to, to go ahead and participate in that. So that's happening the, uh, the very last Sunday of this month, um, February, the, uh, the month of... The month of love, I guess, or the month of, you know, I mean, we're just 10 days away from, uh, from Valentine's Day, so love is kind of on the brain, and this morning, that's what we're going to talk about. Um, if you've got one of these, then you'll see inside there, uh, that's kind of the theme this morning. It's, it's all about love. Um, <clears throat> so I just, I should start with a quick confession. There are some people in this world that it's, it's a little hard for me to love, um, in particular, those who might do, uh, uh, might be mean to my kids. Uh, you guys know that Stacy and I, we, we have uh, two boys, uh, age eight and eight, they're twins, and, uh, and you know, we, they're, they're playing basketball and, uh, with, at the YMCA, and we were just there yesterday, basketball game, and, you know, they're eight, so they, they get knocked down a lot, you know, um, and, uh, you know, if, if there's somebody that, like, intentionally knocks my kid down, you know, or, or laughs at them as they go by, and then, you know, that there's, it's a little hard for me to love that kid, right? I'm going to keep my eye on them. But if there's a kid that, like, you know, helps them up or is good to my kids, you know, that's like, man, I like that kid. That's a good kid right there, you know? Um, and same goes for all of you. You know, you want to you wanna get on my good side, be good to my kids, right? I mean, that's just kind of how life works. Those of you who are parents, you, you kind of know, know how, that, how that works. Uh, it doesn't matter how, how nice you are to me. You know, how, how you can sing my praises all day long, uh, but if you're mean to my kids, uh, you're gonna, we're going to have a hard time getting along, right? Amen. So just, just confessing that up front. Okay. Um, so I'll have to get over it, though, because Jesus said uh, in John chapter 15 to his disciples, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. This was Jesus' central command, and uh, if you've... Uh, if you've missed that somehow, if somehow you have been to church and you missed the fact that it's supposed to all be about love, then I apologize. I'm not sure how that happened because that's the central thrust of everything that Jesus taught and everything Jesus demonstrated in his life uh, was that we are to love each other. I know we can make religion about all kinds of other things, right? We can, we can come up with all kinds of religious rituals and things that we have to participate in and rules that we make and that if you don't do these kinds of things, well, then you, maybe you're not really a good Christian or a committed Christian or something like that. But for Jesus, it all boiled down to love. In fact, it got to the point where one of his followers, the Apostle Paul, said the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. He, he doesn't say the only thing that counts is being able to answer all the theological questions correctly. He doesn't say the only thing that counts is showing up every Sunday and getting a pen for perfect attendance. Uh, he says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. 
Uh, last week, we were looking at that same chapter from Galatians chapter 5. A little bit later, he was talking about how we, you know, we walk by the Spirit and we don't follow the, the flesh or the sinful nature. And, and he says a couple of verses after this, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. That's the contrast that he makes. He says, For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says, The whole law. And we spent some time last year walking through some of that, right? We, we spent the first five months of last year in the first five books of the Bible. There are lots of laws, lots of commands that God gave to his people. And the Apostle Paul, as a, uh, a faithful Jew who knew those commands very well, says, look, all of that is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, again, I said we, we, uh, I'm, I'm indebted to uh, another pastor named Andy Stanley for some of these thoughts uh, this week, uh, including these, these questions that I'm about to ask that kind of help us to evaluate, are we, are we making this about something else, or are we understanding that, no, this is about love, that this is about loving our neighbors as ourselves? Uh, do you ever feel guiltier about missing church on Sunday than about mistreating someone at, at work or in the neighborhood, something like that? Like, just think for a minute. Would, would I feel worse about missing church than I would feel about, you know, being, being mean to the guy that cut me off on the road or, or the neighbor who keeps, you know, letting his dog do stuff in my yard or, or whatever, you know. Which, which one makes me, which one do I feel guiltier about? If I feel guiltier about missing church on Sunday, about some religious ritual, then maybe I've been making this about the wrong thing. Uh, if you believe that there's a ritual that makes you good with God and removes your responsibility to make restitution to the person that you might have harmed... You know, like you did something wrong, you hurt somebody, and if you believe that well, there's this thing I can do that I'll be okay with God, and then I don't have to go and apologize to that person. I'll be okay with God as long as I do this thing, but you know, then I won't have to have that hard conversation and admit that I was wrong. If, if that's the way you think, then you might be making this about the wrong thing. You might have missed Jesus' point. If, uh, if your views on religion keep you from loving a, a you, a person that's right in front of you, you might have missed the boat. You might be making it more about some kind of religious thing that wasn't what Jesus was intending at all. When he said, uh, in answer to a question from one of the religious leaders, got it there from Matthew chapter 22, they asked, teacher, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, right? It makes sense. It's one of those hundreds of commandments that God gave. And he said, that's most important. Love God with all that you are. But he followed it up immediately by saying, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said something much like what Paul said. He said, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. It's like, it's like the, the coat rack in your home, right? Uh, it's got the pegs on it. It's like there's, there's two pegs, love God with all that you are, love your neighbor as yourself, everything that God expects. All those commandments hang on one or both of those pegs, Right? Everything God expects. If you can get these two things right, you'll be fulfilling all the rest. It, another way of looking at it is, is to say, okay, why is it that God gives us all these commands? Why, why is it that we have all these expectations, all these things that Jesus tells us or the Bible tells us to do and the other things it says not to do? Is it just because God likes making lists and saying, like, hey, you got to do this and not do that? Or, you know, what's the, what's the, what's the point of all of that? Um, for example, why, why do we... Why are we commanded to tell the truth? You know, why is it that we're supposed to, to not lie, you know, don't bear false witness, one of the Ten Commandments, right? Uh, why are we supposed to tell the truth? Is it just because 
Well, that's one of the things God expects. And if, I'm, if I tell lies, then God won't be happy with me. And, and you know, I got to tell the truth so that God will be happy with me. Well, I mean, the reason God tells you to tell the truth, tells me that I've got to be a truthful person, is because if I lie to someone, I'm, I'm hurting them. I'm hurting someone that God loves. And God doesn't want me to live a life where I'm hurting people, right? So the reason that God tells us to tell the truth is because he doesn't want us hurting each other by, by lying to each other. That, that communicates like, okay, I care more about me and getting what I want in this moment than I care about, about you. Um, so I'm going to lie to you to protect myself or you know, all the different reasons that we might, we might lie. Or why be generous, right? God's real clear. The Bible's real clear that we're to be generous people, that the stuff that we have doesn't just belong to us, that he gives us extra so that we can be good to others and we can bless the people around us. Why, why is it that we're supposed to be generous? I mean, there's even that verse that says, you know, God loves a cheerful giver. And so, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to be a cheerful giver so that God will love me. You know, maybe we think that way. You know, I've got to be generous because if I don't or if I don't give a certain amount, then God will be unhappy with me and, and maybe even curse me if I, don't, if I don't give my resources, you know, up to a certain whatever, you know, this is what God expects. And if I don't do it, then well, the reason that God wants us to be generous is because when you're generous, you help someone who's a recipient of that generosity, right? I mean, it's, it's not real complicated, right? God wants us to be generous because there are people with needs, and if we give of our extra, then then those needs can be met. It's the, it's the reason behind these things. That's why he said all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. They, they boil down to loving God and loving your neighbor. And, and even the negative ones too, right? Like the, why is it that, that the Bible says not to talk bad about people behind their back? It's not just because like, well, the Bible says don't gossip, and so I, I better not gossip because if I gossip, then I'll be on you know, God's naughty list or whatever. If God's Santa. Anyway, um, <laughs> And so I, I don't want to do that because that's on the no side. I don't do those bad things. No, of course, right? We, we, God tells us not to gossip because when we do that, we're, we're hurting people. We're hurting the people that we're saying it to. We're hurting the person we're saying it about. You know, we're, we're spreading bad stuff, putting bad into the world, and God doesn't want us to do that because it's hurting our neighbors instead of loving our neighbors. Or why, does it, why does God not want us to like, give in to some addiction or just get, get pulled into that or, or give ourselves, be a slave to, to something like that? I mean, why, who's it really hurting anyway? Well, I think we all know who it hurts, right? We, we see the hurt that, that causes when we, when we allow ourselves to get sucked into something like that. We, we end up hurting pretty much everybody around us, and God doesn't want us to do that. And that's why he says it's not, it's not like the Apostle Paul or Moses or the different people who, who make these lists of like things to do and things not to do. It's not like they were just saying, like, okay, God's got a big list and we gotta, we got to memorize it so that we can stay on God's good side. If you have put your faith in Jesus, if you have said yes to him, if you have repented of your sin, turned to him, and he's forgiven you, you and God are good. Right? That's what he did for us in Jesus. None of us are earning our seat at his table. All right? So that's good already. We're all, you're already good with God. You're not, you're not earning your relationship with God by, by doing good things or avoiding bad things. This is all just a way that we live this out, that we, that we show that God really is changing our lives. We love our neighbors. And all these different things the Bible talks about are just kind of expressions of that. You know, so telling the truth or being generous or not gossiping or not being enslaved to some addiction, these are all just illustrations of and examples of loving our neighbors. That's why Paul could say, the entire law is fulfilled in keeping that one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. The, the ethic that Jesus gives us, the way that he wants us to live in the world, the way that he wants us to evaluate whether something is right or wrong, it's not about 
you, honestly. It's not about me and me being right with God. It's, it's, it's about the you beside you. Um, I love that. Andy, Andy put it that way. So I stole it. All right. It's about, it's about the you beside you. It's about the you in front of you. It's about that other person. And are you loving them? Or the, the question that he asked that I've been noodling on and that I want you to be thinking about, I put there in your notes. So one thing besides scripture that I put in your notes today, it's a guiding question. What does love require of me? In this circumstance, in this relationship, with this opportunity in front of me, what does love require of me here? If you ask that question and, and work on answering that, then you're going to end up loving your neighbor. You're going to end up knowing what God would have you do in that circumstance. What does love require of me? Now, some people will, will hear this kind of thing and say, well, okay, it can't just all be about love. I mean, God has some expectations. God has some, some moral standards and some things that we got you know, to do. Well, it's not like this is an easier life. It's not like I'm lowering the bar here, right? Jesus wasn't lowering the bar when he said, well, what did he say to his disciples in John 13? He said, a new command I give you, love one another. It's not really a new command, right? But he's, I think he wants them to, to hear it for the first time. Like, don't think you already know what this means, right? Don't, don't think you already have this one figured out. So he says, hear this as if it's new. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. That's, the, that's kind of the raise in the bar part there, right? The, as I have loved you, because how did Jesus love you and me? I mean, that love, what did that require of him? It required him dying on a cross for us. It required him giving his life. Love can require quite a bit of us, to be honest with you. This isn't a way of saying, like, well, I don't really have to ignore that. I don't really have to pay attention to that part of the Bible or this thing over here or whatever. That, that kind of loophole thinking, that's, that's not the way of Jesus. I mean, that's, that means you're, you're looking at it again as like a list of do's and don'ts, and as long as I can dot the right I's and cross the right T's, then God and I are going to be okay. That's not really thinking through, okay, what does love require of me here? I, I'll be honest, in my younger days, that's kind of how I approach things, right? I mean, I, I approach things as, well, God's got these expectations, and i got to make real sure that I stay on the right side of that line, right? So like telling the truth as an example. Um, I can remember times earlier in my life uh, I'll try not to think. If I, if I thought about it, I could probably think of some examples not, not as distant in my life as the ones that are coming to mind. <laughs> so earlier in my life, like, you know, a couple hours ago, uh, I used to do this, right? Um, but I can remember moments like in my teenage years and, and college years as I, was, as I was growing in, what does this mean to follow Jesus and figuring this thing out where I was like, okay, I got to tell the truth. I got to make sure I don't lie. And so I won't say anything that's not true, but if they get the wrong idea, you know, that's on them, right? You know, but if I word it in a way that I know that they understand they get the wrong idea, but I didn't actually lie, then I'm okay. I can remember having those thoughts, and I, I can even remember maybe some arguments about that, you know, that developed out of that kind of approach. But hey, I didn't lie. Oh, but you knew what I think. Is that the loving way to approach that? No. Did I tell the truth? Did I avoid lying? Well, yeah, technically. But did I love my neighbor as myself in the way I did that? And I think it's real obvious to us, right, when we look at it that way. It's like, oh, yeah, that's, that's missing the boat, Rich. <laughs> you know, that's, that's not the way you're supposed to handle That's not what God meant by that. You might, have, you might have obeyed the letter of the law, but you missed the spirit of the law is how Jesus put it, 
on at least one occasion. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. This is a higher bar, not a, not a lower bar. And then he said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. There were plenty of rabbis in Jesus' day that had disciples. Plenty of people that had followers. Just like today. You know, there are, we, we all follow somebody, right? We follow the example of all sorts of different people. It might be some athlete or a pop star or a politician or a business leader. We all, we all follow examples of someone else, right? Uh, some of you to the point where you really are like a disciple of them. You're like a devotee. You, you like know everything that they've ever said or ever taught, and you, you like follow them to the letter. You know, maybe it's some investor, and in your investment choices, you're like, you know, you're a Boglehead. You're like, if Jack Bogle said it, I'm going to do it. That's how I'm going to invest my life. Um, Invest my, invest my resources. Um, maybe it's, I don't know, there are people that follow all kinds of online influencer people, right, these days. And it's like, oh, man, I really like that person. If they, if they buy that, I'm going to try buying that. If they, if they say, you know, to do it that way, I'm going to try doing it that way. And uh, I'm not enough in that world, I suppose. And I, it'd probably be unfair to, like, Taylor Swift fans to say that Swifties are like that. Anyway, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, politically, I suppose, we, you know, we follow people. Uh, we follow we follow political leaders and, and party leaders and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> Jesus says, this is how people know you're my disciple. You know, people might know you're a disciple of that person by the way you invest or that person by the way you dress or that person by the way you, whatever. People will know you're my disciple, that you're following me by the love that you have for each other. That's how they'll recognize, oh, this person's following Jesus. They're not just following that person or the example. They're following Jesus because look at the way they love each other. He says, this is how the world will know that you're one of his. And frankly, this is how you will know. If you're a question that, like you wonder, like, am I really on the right track? Am I really following you, Jesus? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Well, are you loving your neighbors as yourself? You know, last week, one of the verses we looked at was from Galatians 5, where, where it said the fruit of the Spirit is, the first one is love. It goes on to talk about joy, peace, forbearance, a bunch of other things. But is this fruit growing in your life? Is the Spirit at work? Are you keeping in step with the Spirit, walking with the Spirit like we talked about last week? If you are, then you'll see these kinds of fruit growing in you. And you can look at yourself. You can ask your friends. You can, you can say, hey, help, help me know myself a little bit better here. I feel like I'm, maybe I've been fooling myself. But am I, am I growing in these ways or not? Because it's all about love. That's what it all boils down to. Even at the end. At the end of all things, I mean, one day there will be a judgment, right? One day we'll have to stand before God and we'll have to give an account. And, and the Bible talks about that in lots of different ways. And Jesus, one of the times that he talked about that, he, he talked about that this lots of times in lots of ways. But one of the moments we, he told the story in a way that was uh, it's graphic enough that many of us have, you know, when we read this, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I know that story. Uh, oh, yeah, I've, I've pictured that before. I've heard this one. But frankly, it's, it's a bit stunning what Jesus said it all boils down to. In, in Matthew chapter 25, he said, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, he's talking about himself. He's saying, one day I'm going to come in my glory. You know, everyone's going to be like, whoa, this is Jesus. Wow, we didn't kind of recognize you for who you were when you were here the first time, but now it's real clear. You're king. You're in charge. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another as a, shepherd, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll put the sheep on his right. Lucky you sat on that side today. And the goats on his left. Sorry, guys. 
And the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. He's saying, you've made it. You're in. You're getting to experience all that God had hoped for you to experience now and forever. And then he says, why? He says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. And I'm guessing the people on this side are kind of looking at each other like, hang on a minute. I don't remember ever giving Jesus anything to eat. You know, I think he might have stuck me on the wrong side by mistake. You know, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I don't think I've ever actually seen him before. I know I never gave him a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him. Lord, when? When did we see you hungry and feed you or or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. I say, and I didn't include all that, but then he says the people on the left, you know, you didn't do these things. And they're the same way. They're like, when did we see you hungry and thirsty and all the rest? And when you didn't do it for those, you didn't do it for me. Jesus said it, it really does all boil down to love. Loving your neighbor as yourself. And that love, sometimes what love requires of me, when I see someone hungry, it requires that I feed them. When I see someone thirsty, that I give them something to drink. When I see them needing shelter that I shelter them, when I see them needing clothes that we clothe them, when we see them in need of someone caring for them while they're sick or in prison, we visit them and care for them. He says, this is what love looks like in a world where not everybody has all their needs met. This is what love looks like. And when we do this, you know, this is, you know, interesting that they say, when did we see you? You know, repeatedly, when did we see you hungry? When did we see you? When did we see you? And I think sometimes we can, I know we're all wired up differently. Um, some, some of you really feel close to God. Um, there was a guy who wrote a book several years ago called Sacred Pathways. talked about like nine different ways people feel close to God. Some of you feel really close to God when it's just you and a Bible and like a candle and you're just, you know, soaking up God's word and you feel close to God in that moment. Some of you, it's when you're out in nature and you're seeing the beauty of all that God's created and it's like, Oh, God, you are so good. And that's when you feel closest to God. For some of you, it's when you gather together for worship and you're, they're singing, you know, the song that really connects with your heart. Maybe it's one of the older tunes that you remember from your childhood or it's a newer song that really moves you emotionally. Uh, but in those moments that you feel closest to God, and for some of you, if, if you're like, you know, none of that stuff, I don't really feel especially close to God, maybe you ought to try what this passage talks about. Maybe you'll feel closest to God when you're, serving, when you're meeting needs, when you're actively doing the work that God is doing in the world, when you're partnering with him and being an answer to people's prayers, maybe that's when you will see Jesus up close and personal in the hungry, the thirsty, the needy. One day, when we stand face to face before Jesus, This is what he's going to be evaluating us by. This is how we're going to know, did we love him or didn't we? 
We're going to know if we love him by the way we loved our neighbors. Again, those two commandments, love God with all that you are, love your neighbors yourself, these things are connected, right? You can't love God if you're not loving his kids. We talked about it at the beginning, right? You want to you show God, it's not going to matter to God how much you sing to him or sing his praises. You can sing his praises all day long. If you're mean to his kids, you and God are going to have a hard time getting along, right? Now, uh, just in case this feels like, oh man, Rich, you're just kind of laying this heavy burden on us here. So I got to I got to come up with this. Okay, I guess I got to just be better at this. You know, I've been pretty bad at this sometimes, and I know, oh, I'm aware of some ways that I've failed. I guess I just got to work it up and just, just be better. No, this, is, this is not a do better message, okay, because that's not what Jesus calls us to. He doesn't say, so come on now, just kind of work it up in yourself and, and do this. The Bible's real clear. First John 4 19 put it so simply. He says, we love because he first loved us. Right, we are able to love our neighbors ourselves because God has has poured his love into our hearts because he is because he has loved us we are able to love the people around us because God loved me when I was a jerk I can love that person when they are a jerk right like that's how Paul put it in his letter to the Romans it says when we were utterly helpless Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God didn't wait for us to get our act together and then it's like, okay, you're lovable enough now. I guess I'll love you. While we were utterly unlovable, that God comes to us in Jesus Christ and loved us. So now, he says, we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Again, we're not earning our seat at his table. It's not like, okay, I better love my neighbors or, you know, don't turn this into another list, right? Another, another thing, uh-oh, if I don't do this, then God's going to be mad at me, right? No, if you're, if you're trusting in Jesus, he has already loved you. You and God are already okay. This is an expression of that. Because God has loved you, now you are able, you are free to love your neighbors. Now you don't have to look out for number one because God's looking out for you, right? You know that God's got you. And so you can extend yourself for others. You can reach out in love to to care, to extend compassion, to do whatever it is that love requires of you in that circumstance. Because God has loved us first. To go back to 1 John for a minute, he says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. It's all about love. Jesus wants us to love our neighbors because that's, that's what God's kids do. Because that's who God is. And if you are becoming a child of God, if you have been embraced by him, if your sins have been washed away, if you've, if you've been embraced as his kid, adopted into his family, then there's going to begin to be a family resemblance. You know, you're going to begin to do the things that God does. You're going to start to take on his character. As his spirit guides you in life, those fruit are going to grow in you. You're going to look more and more like Jesus, living a life of love. It's a beautiful thing. And, and man, can, can you imagine what the world would be like if we, if we Christians would get this right? <laughs> you know, if, if, we would, if we would remember, if we would ask ourselves that question, 
you know, as we go through our day, as we, as we engage in political conversations, as we, as we go to work, as we go to school, as we, as we bump into people on the street, uh, how could the world be different if we Christians said, you know what, because God has loved me, I'm going to love this person in front of me. If we made that our focus and not, not so focused on, okay, God, what do I have to do to stay right with you? Like, you're already right with God. You're good. What if my focus instead can be on the people around me, the people that God is sending me to? Well, how could this world be different if we Christians could get this right? I know there are, maybe there are times for, for pointing out the evil out there in the world or something. Uh, I just don't see much point in it as a pastor standing up in front of you on a Sunday. I'm not talking to those folks. <laughs> I'm talking to us. And for us, what, what's required of us is that we love God with all that we are and we love our neighbors as ourselves. And, and each one of us has neighbors uh, who need that love, uh, who are going to need one of God's kids um, to reach out in some way, to extend the love of God into their lives so that they know that they're loved, so that they know that they're not alone in this world, so they, so they can have hope. Let me, let, me, uh, let me lead us in prayer, and we're going to celebrate communion together. God, thank you. Thank you that out of love for us, you held nothing back. But God, you gave us your son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus, out of love for us, you held nothing back. You gave all of yourself to us on that cross. You gave your life for us, God. Thank you. Thank you for loving us. And God, we thank you for those, those people in our lives that we can think back to, people who have, who have gotten this right, people who, who knew that to follow Jesus means I'm going to love my neighbors as myself. People who have loved us, who have extended themselves, who have given of themselves so that we could know that we are loved. Thank you, God, for the people you have used to help answer our prayers over the years. And thank you, God, that today we have the opportunity. We have the opportunity to be used by you to, to help answer the prayers of others. Thank you, God. Thank you for loving us. Fill our hearts with your love, we pray. Help us to know so clearly that we are loved by you. That it makes it that much easier to love the people around us. Keep it in front of us, God. Uh, that, that we did not earn this seat at the table. That we are, uh, well, that is while we're still dirty, rotten sinners, that you came and loved us. And now, yes, your Holy Spirit is changing us. And you're helping us to, to live a new life. You're helping us to, to live differently as we follow your Holy Spirit. But God, keep it in front of us uh, that we are no better than anyone that we will rub shoulders with this week. Thank you, God. Thank you for the amazing love you've shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that we get to experience your grace and be reminded of this love each week in this sacrament of Holy Communion. 
We offer to you these gifts of bread and juice, and we pray that by your Holy Spirit's presence here that we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and his blood. Jesus, we remember that on that night with your disciples, you took bread and you broke it and gave it to them and said, take this, eat it, this is my body broken for you. You took the cup, you said, drink this, this is my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This seals the new agreement, the new covenant between God and humanity. Thank you, God. Thank you for the opportunity to to receive your grace once again, to be reminded of your great love. And in response to this love, what, what can we do but offer you ourselves? We lift our hearts to you full of gratitude, full of thanks. We confess to you, God, that we have not always loved you with our whole heart. We have not always loved our neighbors as ourselves. God, you make us aware by your Spirit's work in us. You make us aware of our sins, of our failings. And God, we are so grateful that instead of leaving the weight of that on us forever, we're so grateful that when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just. You forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus, you took our sin on yourself so that by your death and resurrection, you could break the power of sin and death and set us free. So help us, God, today to live in that freedom. Like Paul said, not not so that we can just do what we want, but so that we can serve each other humbly in love. So that we can live a life that looks like, well, that looks like we're your kids, God. Continue your transforming work in our hearts and lives by your Holy Spirit. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer Jesus taught us? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Uh, Doug and Mary are going to come and lead us in one last song. And um, Pastor Judy, would you be willing to help serve communion this morning? So Pastor Judy and I will be standing up here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice. And as we sing, um, if, you, if you'd like to participate, you're welcome to, to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice and eat it and return to your seats. Uh, It's open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today, who are hungry for his grace, who are grateful for his love. Uh, If you can't make your way forward, but you'd still like to participate, we've got some cups on the tables that you can peel back and get to the bread and peel back and get to the juice. Uh, And we do have some little round gluten-free wafers up here for those who need that. So uh, let's give thanks uh, and let's celebrate uh, the love God's shown us in his son, Jesus Christ. Is coming a day when no heartache shall come, no more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye, all is peace forevermore.
We do look forward to that day where we get to see you face to face, Jesus, where all the, the worries and the troubles and the difficulties of this life are over. We're not there yet. So until that time, would you continue to fill us with the spirit of Christ so that we might live in this world as the body of Christ, as your hands and feet, as your sons and daughters, loving the people around us with the love we have received from you. Thank you, God. Thank you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.